Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, not much, but I got a request for you. Can we jump back a few weeks? I want to clarify the record on a few things about Skip McMahon. Okay, what what did we get wrong? What did we get wrong? Is that going to be all right with you? Yeah, that's fine. All right, well, the first thing that we missed, or I should say, I missed, is that any time we do a character analysis, oh, <laughs> I like to share my thoughts on that character in the form of a limerick. Uh, we forgot the limerick, I see. Dude, I I personally, I personally felt for Skip McMahon when I realized I didn't write him a limerick. I was like, dude, my homie, I, my bad. Like, you, you deserve that. So I put a little something extra special into this one. There once was a bro named Skip McMahon. Just the special agent you'd want in your clan. No detail escapes him, be it crime scene or break-in. A perfectly crafted thriller G-Man. Boom, baby. That was a good one. I, dude, I had to do it. I had to pour one out for my homie Skip. Although, Skip no, he's is, not dead. He's still around. He's, he's not dead, but, you know. I did ask on Twitter, you know, while we're on Skip, I asked on Twitter if people would want to see a Skip McMahon resurgence. Do they want him back? They want to see him in a future rap book. 13 votes, 100%. Heck yeah. Nice. You're not getting his banned from the Twitter page, are you? <laughs> um, What? <laughs> Nothing. Never mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, another question about Skip. Something felt funny when we said he's in his early 60s. I, I went back. We might have underestimated Okay. I thought we did it based on how old he was when he graduated college and then how many years he'd been in service, right? Right. And Act of Treason has a line where Rap tells Agent Brooks, hey, you're going to meet up with a guy. He's in his late 50s. Mm. So Rap estimates in a quote, a direct quote from Mitch Rap himself in his late 50s. I Also, I don't know where I got it. I might have had one of the years wrong because I was working off a quote that said he had 26 years in the service, in, in the FBI, in the Bureau. I went back, though, and I found executive power said more than 30 years with the Bureau. Oh. And that okay. was earlier than act of treason. Exactly. Interesting. And then Memorial Day said 35, ye 35 years earlier he started with the Bureau. So, so he's older or Mitch? No, he'd be older. I think we missed about five or ten years because if Act of Treason was his late 50s, then you have all eight years of the Hayes, excuse me, the Alexander administration. Oh, right, 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 right. He's late 60s now. Yeah, no, exactly. He's almost 70. So he's almost 70, right. I, th I think we were off. I think we lowballed him last week or two weeks ago. Well... He's he's trying to get Irene in, in the late seventies. That's that that a boy skip. Now, here's dude. Here's the other thing. I didn't realize Act of Treason gave direct ages for Irene and Mitch. Okay, what are those? Which now that we have eight years 
as the transition to the Cooks, knowing Alexander served two terms, mm-hmm. an act of treason was the first year of Alexander. Mm-hmm. We know the exact age of Mitch. What is that? He was 39 in act of treason. Oh, so he's 48. He's younger than we thought. I think some of us thought maybe pushing 50, 48. Yeah, right? Well, because he always says like, I thought he said like he was over 50 or maybe he says he's almost 50. Right. Sc- Scott's a couple years older than him, right? So Scott's I guess that makes sense. Older. And we know Scott mm-hmm. is older older than 50. So well, what about Irene? How old is she? And Irene, the book said, was 45 in act of treason. So she's six years older than Mitch. So her and Scott are roughly the same age. They're roughly the same age, and that puts Irene now, eight years later, at 53. Okay. And Tommy was 10 at that time. So she had Tommy at 35, and Tommy would now be 18. 18. Yeah, Tommy's 18. Am I right that Alexander is sworn in in act of treason? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Right. The kind of uh, nebulous, how many years has it been? Eight years of the Alexander administration gives us an exact benchmark. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, dude. When I went back searching for some of this, I was like, they give us exact years? I wasn't sure if we ever got it exact. How did we not pick up on that before? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's big for active treason. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is. I'm almost questioning myself. I'm like... Do do my many hours just in the zone, spiraling out of control, looking for small details? Do am I just imagining things? Like, is this driving me crazy? I'm gonna pull up Act of Treason real quick. I, I want to check this. I'm gonna search in the Kindle book, thirty nine, and I believe it's spelled out thirty dash or hyphen nine. I don't want to be misleading our audience. You know what I'm saying? How old was Mitch in uh, Transfer of Power? So Hayes was before Alexander, so Transfer of Power must have been within four years prior, right? So he was 35? Because it does say Hayes Hayes was a one-term president. When he got ill, was it Parkinson's? He said, I'm not going to seek re-election. So we know he's a one-term president, and we know Hayes was the president in Transfer, so... Yeah, he had to be 35 at the youngest, right? Which then gives us a hint how much time passes between kill shot and transfer of power. Right. That's a decent amount of time. That's a lot of time. A lot of books that we could have. Okay. Here's the quote. Right. Here's the quote from Act of Treason. He'd seen the younger guys, though. He'd even helped train a few of them, and they had a lot to learn before they were anywhere near as good as he was. At 39, he was at his peak. His knees and back were not what they once were, but he still had no problem keeping up with the rookies, who in some cases were nearly half his age. The years of experience were what made the difference. Text evidence, man. Rap is 39 at Act of Treason. There you go. You did it. You deduced it. How, how do we miss that? I don't know. It's like when you're reading it and just, you weren't, we weren't thinking about ages at that time. Or maybe what it is, is if there was a book with Alexander as president, we didn't know. Was it his second year as president or his sixth? You know? So maybe we just didn't know exact. But now that he served eight years, we know exact yeah, where we're at exa- right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Cool. All right. Well, dude, that had nothing to do with your great topic you prepared for us today. So, Chris, what are we doing? All right. So today, you know, a little bit different of a of a pod, but I don't know. We just we were sort of coming up with ideas now that we finished all the books, and obviously we giving you those character analysis on Skip. We did the latest one, um, and we have a couple of uh, author series as well. But one of the things we wanted to talk about, which is kind of different, is first lines. So, you know, today, you know, what makes, what can really make a book amazing? That, that That's like what I was thinking. You know, you have the cover, but then also, as soon as you jump in the book, that first sentence, that first hook, you, some would argue maybe the first paragraph, first chapter, but I just wanted to, you know, we didn't have time to read the whole first chapters of, of everything. I just wanted to go for short concise and discuss with you every book whether it was the prologue or chapter one the first line and i'll have to say it in doing this exercise it was interesting to see because they're right. they're very different they're very different yeah. and i can say that kyle and vince wrote first lines very differently you can sort of very differently you were given a lineup you could and you had to pick something out you could you can definitely tell that some are different uh before we get into the actual lines. I do have a couple of quiz show questions here. R- roll your quiz show music here, Mike. Uh-oh. Watch out. Well, you you probably already know this, so you don't have to answer here. We can answer them afterwards just because I, you've seen the lines. But, well, I guess you can answer this question. What makes a good first line? Oh, so these are opinion These are opinion well, questions. Uh, well, we, we can get... Let, let's get to that one in a second. Sorry, th- these are more like actual... Have actual answers. Um... Okay. How many lines include the word or the character Mitrap in them? You know, that's that's a good one because when you proposed doing first lines, I was curious if we'd pick the prologue or chapter one. And you went with whatever the first written words are once yes. the story starts, barring, barring if there's a quote, obviously a dedication, or sometimes an author's note. So we we push those out, right? Mm-hmm. The author's note like transfer of power about changing the White House. Those don't count. We pick up with the prologue or chapter one if it has a prologue or prelude. And the reason I ask that is I I think a lot of the preludes or prologues don't have rap. And instead, the first line with rap or Kennedy is in chapter one. I, so I feel pretty strongly that number is going to be a little lower than one might first think that he's not too often in the first line. That's that's my prediction. All right. Well, I can just give you here. So it's a four. You you're right. It's it's four. low. Four. Okay. Pretty low. Yeah. Pretty low. Okay. So sort of related to this, I guess you could say, other than Mitrap, how many times is a character's name mentioned in the first line? Oh. Again, I'm going to qualify this that I think Kyle maybe would do this more. Because I know sometimes we're dropped right in, like, Enemy at the Gates, we're driving with David Chisholm. Or I feel like we, we're introduced, Sonia, total power, right? We're, we're dropped in with Sonia, the Russian. So, I don't know if Vince would do that a lot. Uh, I'm going to go half and half. I'm going to say you probably have a character or name, roughly, eight or nine books. Yes, yeah, so if you add in Mitch, you're correct because it's also four. So it's it's eight eight books. 
We have eight books, Mitch and four and other characters. Mm-hmm. Four. Mitch and okay. four. You have Irene in one, Mike Nash in one, Sonia and Grisha. Okay. Oh, uh, sorry. I missed uh, five. Scott in one. So nine books total. So half. Okay. Mm, roughly half, half the books. Yeah. Okay. How many include the description of a location? Okay. I think this is going to be a good number of them. A lot of books open with the setting, I feel. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, term limits. I know you have the cabin where the blonde-haired assassin is. Transfer of power. I I feel like I remember Kennedy getting out at the White House or somewhere downtown D.C. going to a meeting. Yeah, I think the White House. I think this comes up a lot. I'm going to say like probably 13 books. Yeah, so it's kind of – it's – so – yeah, you're you're close to it. It's like fifteen or sixteen, but it depends on like what you de- what you define as a location. You know, is it just right. or a setting describing what someone is looking at per se, or you know, or actually describing, you know, like in in transfer or, um, executive power, we get a description. I'm not going to read it yet, but we get a description of the Philippines. You know, mm-hmm. and you're thrust right into where you're going to be. So. Yeah, just something to pick out. Um, but yeah, you're right. Most of these have some sort of description, either a location, a place, a setting, stuff like that. Yeah. And so I think that like sort of reflects back to what my first question was, is like what makes a good first line? And most likely it's going to include setting. either a character, a setting. Next question. What do you, how long is the shortest first line? Okay, I, I saw because you showed these to me, so yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. give that one away. And what if we wait on that one till okay. we read them all, yeah. giving people a chance to guess? Because uh, that's that's a tricky one. How many words in the shortest line? And you'll hear it soon from us. We're going to read them all out. That's a good question. And then sort of the opposite of that is what's the longest first line? So we can wait until, until we read all those. Uh, I would have to, I can't. I would have to know, like, what is that amount of words in an average sentence in the English language? I, I can't even ballpark it. Is it 10? Is it 15? Yeah. At what point does a, a sentence become too long and you need to make it into two sentences, you know? Yeah. Average number of words in a sentence. Let's let's turn to the Google here. I feel like whenever I was writing my papers, you know, if, if a... What did they say? If it goes longer than three lines, you have to cut it. Like, it shouldn't be longer than, like, three lines of a page. Oh, trust me. My middle schoolers, they don't know about what it is and how to spot it, but they all about run-on sentences. Trust me, they know about run-on sentences. Dude, here's an article. The Acropolitan. I don't know what publication that is, but... Title is sentence length has declined seventy five percent in the past five hundred years in the English oh, language. That, that makes total sense. People are way That's, concise yeah. and short now. Yeah, like Middle English would just go on with commas and doth whatever doth protest thee. <laughs> Whereas now with a lot of like, extra use, just yeah. put random use in there. Now everyone just responds like, "Yeah, <laughs> dude, lols, lols." <laughs> average words per sentence and i don't know if i could trust the data on this but how about we'll post the article maybe on uh, in the show notes or our social media 63 words in the average sentence in the early 1500s 63 words oh my 63 gosh 63 words compared to 
as of this chart only goes up to 1950. 1950, 14.4 words. Oh, you were close. You were close. Yeah. And this trend has been going down. I feel like that's now at 10. It's probably even lower, right? Holy cow. This is fascinating. Especially with something like a Google Books or like machine learning. Oh, yeah. You can analyses like this for linguists. Right. You can do so much more data analysis and crunching. Wow. Okay. Anyway. All right. So I guess, you know, you can answer this question now. What do you think makes a good first line? might have a better answer towards the end of the podcast after we chit chat about this but first reaction just knowing my my reading habits i appreciate a good setting or i appreciate something a bit philosophical almost a brain teaser of sorts something that just causes you to pause and rethink a preconceived notion that you've had and when we get to Vince's work, I think there are two of these mm. that I think are we're in cut agreement above. on this. Yeah, yeah, they're cut above. I, I think they just stand above, and that's because they're not descriptive, flowery languages of the gray mist setting on the dark sky with the clouds. But they tickle a part of your brain that that clues you into, huh? This story is going to have some substance to it. So I'm going to say it's got to have that edge. It's got to have that critical piece that challenges some preconceived notions and really makes you think this story is going to do something different. What do you say? Yeah, I, I totally agree. If if you, after the very first sentence, you actually pause and think, of, and it causes you to think about something or like, wow, that sentence, like, what does that mean? You know, type, type thing. Obviously, like a pretty average standard sentence can be just, you know, literally getting us going into the description. But I feel like what makes a, it a cut above is something, like you said, makes you pause, makes you think about what the person just said and sort of sets, you can kind of tell based on that very first sentence what the story is going to be. Like, that makes a great first line. Right, right. Yeah, let's dig into them then. What do you say if we recount and recapture what all the first lines are? Uh, we'll We'll go back and forth. Do one and one. Sounds good. Oh, you want right. to kick it off? Sure, sure. I like term limits. It's a great book, so allow me the honor. <laughs> there you go. I didn't want it. <laughs> You're so generous to pass that one to me. <laughs> term limits. The old wood cabin sat alone, surrounded by trees and darkness. There we go. We got our first uh, description of of a setting. Now that one does both though, because you want to know what's going on in this cabin. No, you do. You do. Yeah. Like you're intrigued. Like what funny business going down in this cabin? Yeah. All right. So American assassin, Mitrap stared at his, at his reflection in the dusty cracked mirror and questioned his sanity. Check one for Mitrap being included. Yeah. And I feel like this one, you know, it, this one hits even harder, like on a reread. Like on a reread, mm-hmm. this one is like, oh shit, I remember what's going on. Yup. But on first, I can, like, first time reading, you're like, okay, who's this guy, Mitch Rapp? Especially if you start with this book, you know, you're like, right. all right, yeah. Now, and I feel like it also hits harder if you've read it in publication order. 
you know, it, it mm. you have three different, like this first line can hit differently in three different, you know, if depending on how you've read this, these series and if you're rereading it, you know. So true. So true. It's pretty interesting if you're a new reader and most, I would say most, have started with American Assassin. Yeah. The first word is Mitch. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm, yeah. Interesting. I, I really wonder what that would, I'm trying to think of another series where that series is so defined by the character. Does that character literally stand out from the first sentence ever written about them? I don't know. Well, yeah, we'd have to go look at other, you know, like, yeah. let's, we could just go to the Brad Thor series and see what the first sentence of that, of Lions Lucerne is. Look right, at, about you know, Scott. the gray man and, and see if, right. it, if it's about Scott or if it's like just jumping into, because I feel like you, again, you can go either way. You can, like you said, go into a prologue where you're probably not going to meet, I, I feel like. The main I, character. I, I wanted to do this. I ran out of time. I wanted to look at the prologues and see if Mitch or you know, a main character is in the prologue. I feel like they're not for some reason. I just, and then I feel like chapter one's are always Mitch or, or Irene. Right. But some of these lines are from the preludes, right? If it yes. comes first, if, if, if it, it, if it comes, okay. if it has it, if it has one, not all books have one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure though, where they do have the prelude or prologue, Mitch is Mitch or Irene definitely comes up in chapter one right away. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Okay. Kill shot. The man flew through the air propelled by one of the other recruits we haven't talked to action what do you think about a, a you know cold open right into the action yeah no that's definitely a style it, it's not it's not really something that you you're gonna see in the rest of these that's one of the only ones that really thrusts us into the action i guess no maybe, maybe we'll get to one in, in, a, in a couple seconds but yeah no that's definitely another another key thing you could do is just boom cold open we're going right this is this is what the story is going to be you know what what are these recruits doing you know yeah. where are they flying from interesting you put a recruit in also because that book is very heavy on victor yeah so you're hinting at that right off the bat all right transfer of power a fine mist fell from the darkening spring sky as black as a black limousine turned off east street setting setting yeah it's like what we're obviously in DC. We're what's going on? Yeah, it's it's gripping, you know, standard. And that's Kennedy. I I remembered for some reason, even before having read this, it opens with Kennedy walking to the White House. I just I don't know if it was because it was the first word ever in a Mitch Rapp novel. I remember that fine mist. Like I can almost sense what the day was like that open transfer of power. Right. Exactly. So that's that's a powerful line if it stuck with me that that much. And also, I feel like with some of these descriptions uh, for like settings, you could see it helps you visualize like how like a movie would start out, or how like a, mm -hmm. a TV show, or if you wanted to visualize it either in a you know a video medium. Yeah, I like this next one. I said there are two. I think are cut above. You might see why this one is very different than the first, what, four we just read. The third option. There exists in America a silent and invisible order made up of former soldiers, intelligence officers, and diplomats. I mean, Dude, that's it's, pretty cool. 
I, I don't want to spoil like the end of the pod where we're going to give our top five, but I mean, come on, like that makes you, uh, when you read that, you're just like, okay, all right, there's a secret order made of these people. Let's go. Like, Let's do we're, it. We're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about them, uh, and then uh, immediately after that, it goes into what the third option is. Like, right? No other book do we get a discussion of the of the title, like right, right. away. Right. A- everything else is like the title is mentioned, or like in Memorial Day, where it's like it's that is the culmination. Like, it, you know, it happens on Memorial Day, whatever. But yeah, this is that's really the only book that we get you know, the book title is discussed then in the book. That soon. It's usually just dropped as a, as a line somewhere. Yeah. It's like, uh, I give him the consent to kill, you know, like you have the consent to, you know, at the end of a, one of the chapter 10 or whatever, you know, exactly. Exactly. Is this line, the third option one about the silent and invisible order. Is that from that little note in the beginning? Where Vince is saying what the third option is, how it's not your traditional carrot or the stick, it's the espionage piece of business. That is, at least in my Kindle version, that was the prologue. In the prologue. that was the prologue exactly. Yeah, I remember loving that that little chunk of text before the story really gets into the narrative piece. All right, so this one hit hits a little hard. So separation of yes. power, Doctor Irene Kennedy stood over a fresh mound of dirt and wept. Oh, oh, dude, you're opening wounds, man. Your reopening wounds have been closed for a while. This, the, you know, just thinking about this and thinking about what it means and then the fact that Thomas Stansfield dies off book. Yeah. Oh, man, that 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 is a brutal way to open up the story. I don't know. It's It's powerful, though. You know, just like, wow. Especially the last two books, seeing how important he was. Yeah, exactly. And what he meant to Kennedy and her development. Remember that scene where Mitch, he's lying in a bed in his house. Irene and Scott Coleman are there. Right. And Mitch sneaks up on them. Mitch has the gun. And that conversation is so deep about how Stansfield. It's in the third option. It's in the third option, and then, so he's this titan, but you see him dying, and then it's done. It happened mm-hmm. before we even knew it. Oh, man. Yeah, that one. Also, there are a few times where the opening scene has nothing to do with the rest of the book. Yeah, it really this is, was this is just one of them. Yeah. setting the stage right, not for the plot, but just to wrap the, something up. For the series, yeah. Right, like stand, like let's say separation of power you read in a vacuum. So much happens in that book from Stansfield passing, which has nothing to do with the narrative, that could confuse a new reader. Or Mitch being doxxed and his identity being out there. If if you're not invested in him as a character or the rest of the series, I don't know if you catch how big of moments those are to lose right. Stansfield and to have Mitch's identity outed. Like, right. That's not that might be the worst book to read on its own on as its a own. standalone. Yeah. No, now that we're thinking about that. it for sure. Yeah, I didn't never yeah. thought about that, but yeah, I agree with you. Although it does have that cool scene where he impersonates um, Saddam Hussein's son and goes into the nuclear bunker. 
Well, I forgot that's in separation of power. All these things blend together now, man. We we we. I I know every <laughs> every storyline, but I can't remember like which book it's from. You know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Executive power. The sleek gray craft sliced through the warm water and humid night air of the Philippine Sea at twenty-five knots. Its twin engines rumbling towards its destination with a guttural moan. That's going to be uh, the longest, right? Yeah, that's the longest. Yeah. yeah, all right, it has to be. Yeah. Got a comma in there, too. One, two, three, four, five. Did you count this? One, two, no, three, I didn't. Four, I five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. 31 words. That is roughly, let me tell you, the average <laughs> number of words in a sentence back in the year 1700. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, you know, it's t- typical, you know, setting us up, description, where we're going to be for the first half of this book. Uh, it's kind of cool. I, I It's kind of similar to that, um, you know, gray mist and, a, or, you know, misty sky and a black limousine. But here we're a sleek gray craft on the water. Um, as well as, like, the, the kill shot putting us into the action you know this is also a sort of a cold open because we get that whole beach scene right does that open on the boat slice slicing through the water does that recall any memories for you of transfer of power when mitch is dropped into iran and he takes the the boat in and swims to the beach i just yes. feel like yeah no it's very similar, it's recalling right? mitch's first scene in bandar abbas yeah for sure Oh, man, and walk in with the limp, and oh, I love that yes, book so exactly. much. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Slicing the guard's throat. Dude, good stuff, good stuff. All right, Memorial Day. Mitch Rapp start. Did I do? Wait, I just did the last one. Just go ahead. Go for it. No, dude, because, yeah, because Memorial Day might be my favorite, and Consent yeah, there, to Kill might there be you your go. favorite. There so we go. Do it. There we go. I say might because as we've done these discussions... Memorial Day seems more and more like a one-off book. It didn't have Scott. Yeah, no, didn't it really is. have a lot of Irene. So I'm wondering if I'm going to have to reconsider this. It's such a good book, though. It's such a good book. It's the best standalone. It, it is the best standalone book, for sure. Right. You you could sell that one and never pick up another Mitch Rapp book and say it's one of the best thrillers I've ever read. Besides Transfer of Power, I think. True. True, true, true. Yep. All right, Memorial Day. Mitch Rapp stared through the one-way mirror into the dank subterranean cement chamber. That's all right. Yeah, it, it kind of, right. I don't know, it kind of lets me down because it's one of my favorite books. But Is that the chamber under the house in that battle scene where they find the nuclear plants? Yeah, remember they find remember. that map with the blast zone? under a house they're raiding in Afghanistan. I don't is think it that so. or, or is he about to interrogate somebody? Yeah, you know what that makes more sense. Yep, yep. The yep, one way one way sense. mirror. Yeah. Who's he who's he interrogating at the very beginning of Memorial Day? I don't know. I I just pulled up the first lines. Shoot. That all right, I'm at a loss on that one. The rest of them I I kind of really remember, but that one. Hmm. Yeah, but it's just like it it's disappointing that that one sort of let me down a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't blame you. The next one did not. So, consent to kill. To kill a man is a relatively easy thing, especially the average unsuspecting man. Dude. Drop the mic. I mean, I think that's one of the best sentences I've read. Woof. It just, it sets you up for, all right, who are we killing? Who's doing the killing? And could I do it? Exactly. It's, it's an easy thing. It's apparently. a relatively easy thing, you know? Whose mind are we in? I remember that made me think, like, I don't have skills, but if someone just, like, if my task was to kill somebody and I could do whatever I wanted to do, it's obviously real easy. <laughs> like, I would have never thought about that. Like, I, I really wouldn't have thought about that. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it kind of is, but it's kind of like we have willpower to not do it. So, especially if the person's average and unsuspecting, like, yeah, like what? Like that's nuts. Again, makes you stop and think and reread the exactly. sentence. Exactly. Exactly. So, dude, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's almost poetic too. Hmm. All right, act of treason. The motorcade rumbled down the cobblestone street. All right. Pretty pretty standard. Sure. Setting it up. Yeah. Nothing special. Fits the plot. Fits the yeah. plot. Is that Georgetown, I guess? Oh, I remember looking at the research. Yeah, okay, yes. Because I remember where the man in the red hat was standing. I don't know if it was P Street, but it was Wisconsin Avenue. Right. And was one of the side circle? streets in Georgetown. Yep. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Uh, I remember trying to estimate, because I drive that every single day, which tree it was by the description of how far the tree was to be outside the blast radius. If right, you make right. the turn, the man had to hide behind the tree where you'd feel the impact, but the tree would protect you. And the tree would have to be thick enough for him to hide behind it. And I think a security camera from a coffee shop picked up on him. So yes. it, he need, like that Starbucks right there in, um, in North Georgetown near the Safeway. So yeah, you, I remember. You knew exactly yeah. where this tree should be. I remember I was looking on Google Maps, and then on my drive the next day, the <laughs> I was like, is that tree as wide as it actually looks on Google Maps? How big has it grown? Yeah. That's how much of Mitchap nerds we are. We're actually going to look for the actual tree. We need to put a little plaque saying, on this, this the, the man with the red hat stood behind this tree during act of treason. Dude, can you imagine if you put that up, and then you come back the next day? Somebody crossed out the man with the red hat and wrote Gavrilo Gazic. I'd lose sick. my shit. I'd lose I'd my sick. shit. I would absolutely <laughs> lose my mind. That'd be awesome. All right, this next one's weird. Please tell me it's not my turn to read. No, it's my turn. Protect okay, and good. defend. <laughs> Mitrap ran his hand along her smooth, naked thigh, up to her waist, and then down her flat stomach. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> go and go look at Vince going a little sexual right off the bat. This is the only X-rated like sentence we get, or like exotic or not exotic, erotic sentence that we get. Uh, it's very out, out of character, man. Very out of character. It's kind of weird, like that we're not weird, but just like it's not something that we normally get right off the bat. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? <laughs> it really grips you though, if you're if you're into that. <laughs> You got a romance novel here? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some people wouldn't mind a Mitch Rapp romance novel, let me tell you. Or Scott or Scott Coleman. I was going to say Scott Coleman might be more my style. Ooh, Joe Maslick. Ooh, now you're talking. It's getting hot in here. I know Steph K wants a, wants a Scott Coleman novel. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you just went there. You just went there, man. I, I think Don, Don would, too. Ooh, do we got to mark this episode explicit also? Because... I, <laughs> I had to I had to mark that Skip McMahon one explicit. We were dropping some dimes in that one, man. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. I think we've been on on our best behavior so far this pod. Maybe maybe we'll try to keep it squeaky clean for the kids. <laughs> oh, there's a question. What do you think the youngest reader of a Mitch Rap book is? Like, what's is it suitable for young adults? I mean, I read it at 15. I want to say my first book. Well, so like these books are it's it. By dads for dads, like that's that's exactly. what these books are for. Like, so um, dad, dad, quote unquote, dad fiction. I, I think it has to be. You're only reading it if your dad reads it, or you know your uncle reads it. Dude, let's not forget the ladies. We got a, a lot of, or or your mom, ladies. or yeah, no, I'm not sorry, I shouldn't say that. But like, if your your mom or dad is, is right. into these books, like I, I don't think uh, that age group, that age group. You know, fifteen-year-olds aren't picking this up, right? Unless right, their right. parents like have a bunch of these books on their shelves. I don't know. Could they could though? Like, I'm wondering. Do you, you think in high school, school, in high school, are you picking up uh, like I don't know, The Hunt for Red October? I feel like you're so busy with all this crap literature they make you read. I don't know. I think it's unfortunate, but yeah, I guess this whole genre is not represented. Mm-hmm. Should it be? I don't know. Uh, only like a Tom Clancy, I feel like. Yeah, it would have to be something real, real, real deep. Maybe, maybe a. Uh, oh, who did Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Um, Lake Ray. Like a Lake Ray. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because that you can actually look for like trends in the genre getting it started or changing it in a a- very academic approach. Or like a Ludlum. Yeah. Ludlum even, but these be- these summer beach reads, you know, you you can't really do that with. Yeah, that's a weird scene though. I mean, the sex stuff, but also Agent Rivera just they had this fling. Then Mitch sneaks off on her and goes and kills Stu Garrett, and then boom, let's go get started with the story now. Stu Garrett's out of the way, and Rivera's been knocked up. Yeah, that was one of the interesting. <laughs> Pregnant? Uh... No. <laughs> we never know one of the interesting choices kill Stu garrett not in the previous book but to save it yeah. for the next for the for the next book i don't know maybe maybe he didn't want to kill Stu garrett right away or he didn't know if he was going to kill him and then he's just during the during the process of writing he's like i'm killing Stu garrett yeah his time's up that's another one of those questions love to ask mitch uh vince when did you decide to get rid of a character like yeah. Stu Garrett? We should ask Kyle that. I guess we kind of did with Mike. True. He he knew his time was up. Mm-hmm. Did Kyle kill anybody else outside of who he had to kill? Because Hurley had Gould had to die. Hurley had to die at his age. I feel like those are the only two other main characters he killed, and they both pretty much had to die. Yeah, besides villains, no, he hasn't killed anybody really. Besides yeah. Mike, until Mike, yeah. So it it was due. 
We thought Scott was going to die, but he did. <laughs> I was a little nervous. Right, right. Oh, yeah, with enemy of the state. Right. Yeah. All right. No, where order, were order, we? Order, order to kill. Order to kill. Yeah. Order to kill. Right. Order to kill. You're on extreme right. measures. Extreme measures. Here we go. Speaking of, speak of the devil, Mike Nash glanced anxiously at his watch and then eyed the twin flat screen monitors. So it's it's a little generic, but it's kind of interesting because we're getting a new character because this is the first this, time yeah. we meet Mike Nash. Uh, why is he anxious? You know, what is he looking at on these screens? Um, right. So it's... Yeah, it is generic, but I think it it does a little bit, a little bit extra. So, yeah. All right, pursuit of honor. It was nearing ten o'clock in the evening when Mitrap decided it was time to move. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like what what is Mitch doing? Yeah. All right, let's let's go again. Sort of cold open, getting right into the action. Let's do it. Yeah. It also builds on extreme measures of we know why he's moving. You mm-hmm. got to track these guys, Kareem and Hakeem. Like, it it definitely reopens as a part two of Extreme Measures Part One. Yeah, that one works. All right, the last man. This is a pretty cool scene, and it's one of those lines where you very clearly remember where you are and what's going on. The four dead men were lined up on the living room floor of the safe house. Afghanistan, General Zahir. Who are these four men? Why are they dead? You know, it just again grips you. I, I like it. Yeah. And it once you when you remember that book and you think of that line, it's like, oh, that that was a intense scene. I've also at this point in the series been longing for Mitch in his element since boy, when was he on the ground in the Middle East? Consent to kill and goes into Saudi Arabia? Memorial Day from Afghanistan, I, I was itching to get Mitch back in the fight. Right. In the operating theater. So. All right. So the next one is the survivor. While the line, I'll read it. Scott Coleman turned away from the color monitor and glanced right. So, you know, we get Scott, a character in it. It's kind of kind of bland. But the scene is cool. Like, this first line is not that good, but I will say, because you're opening in Istanbul, it's B.B. Kincaid. He's, obviously, yes. the color monitor is, like, her, like, purse or whatever. Yeah. This scene puts you right into the action, and I really liked it, but the first line is, you know, yeah. And though we're not 100% sure, I think we kind of figured out that was Kyle's scene, the chase with B.B., because the survivor had three pages written by Vince, but we had thought it was a different scene. A different scene, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I think it was that scene with Hurley sitting around by the fire. Or they were smoking or drinking or something. Because uh, Kyle said that Scott, that he came, sorry, Kyle said that he came up with B.B. Kincaid, the character. So Right, exactly. So even though the survivor has Vince's three pages, I don't think it's in the prelude i think it's the chapter one right are those three pages order to kill grisha azarov steered clear of main street taking a random path as he walked through what had once been one of russia's many oil boom towns all All right. right get it get a new character 
I, I, that could have been another thing. How many times do you, we get a brand new character? A brand new character, right. Right off the bat. So we got Grisha. Grisha. Uh, l- later on, we're going to get Sonya. We got Mike uh, we Nash. Got Mike Nash. Um, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And kind of enemy at the gates. We'll get there. Kind of. Dude, this was a cool scene when he's going after one of those oligarchs. Mm-hmm. But at yeah, the same he's... time, he's questioning Krupin, who's already sending him on this kill mission. And the oligarch's name is Ukin. Yes, I'm. This still is where you get like where you get like is there a connection. Yeah, this is, yeah. Boris and Dimitri. One of them's Boris. One of them's Dimitri. Because he's still the president in the current rap series. It's still Ukin, I believe. It is. So I wonder I mean, if this it guy was mentioned in one of the books recently. So. Yeah, Maybe Grisha's first kill on the page. I wonder if he's related it at all. Probably. Anyway, small detail. All right, Enemy of the State. It was just after midnight, and Rabat felt largely deserted. All right. Again, we get a place, a description, a time, and we know where we're going to start, Rabat. Right. And that's the action scene where Maz is in charge, right? Mm-hmm. Like questioning mm-hmm. his ability. Okay. That was Where they're cool going to take the high-value target, but they yeah. don't. Gotcha. All right, Red War. The streets were overrun. That's cool for a short sentence. Yeah, and this is uh, Krupin sitting in his office listening to the right. protesters. He's starting to, you know, we begin to see that he's not ill. He's ill, not well. Yeah, the scene is cool, and he's in his head, and we know he's, like, going to go insane. So... And Red War was written, speaking of protest, was that around Ferguson or any of those issues where we were seeing mass protest movements? It was 2018. 2018. 2018. That was all in 2014, right? So, yeah, that that would be way later. You read his recent uh, prediction thing? The... What is it? Stranger Than Fiction? I love those. Yes. They're so good. Yes. Yeah. He's got a great newsletter. If if you're not subscribed, kylemills.com. Very good. All right. Lethal Agent. The cave was more than 10 meters square, illuminated with a handful of battery-powered work lights. And a crossbow. And a crossbow. Now, this <laughs> this sentence, and once you realize what cave you were in. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, I'm going, I'm going back to where we work, like two books ago. Said Halabi, uh, yeah, one, one of Kyle's best villains. Yep, I th- our consensus best villain, right? Yeah, what a, I, that was a really good book, Lethal Agent. Really good book, really good opening scene in the cave. Like, wait, Halabi didn't die, and Mitch best. tracked him and found him. Yeah, best kill. Ever? Uh, it it's or maybe best weapon possibly. It's up yeah. there. It's up there. All right, total power. A light mist condensed on Sonia Vance's windshield, turning the forested mountains around her into smears of green. All right, so again, all right, brand, brand new character. But it's you know sorry, good so okay sense. Yeah. And finally. Enemy at the gates, and if you haven't guessed it, this is our shortest uh, sentence. 
That's just one word. Lucky. Yeah. And this is David Chisholm driving yeah, through the countryside. Dis- it description it then goes into description of why David Chisholm is lucky. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh okay. Because that's also a paragraph. It's very interesting how he does it. He does lucky, period, then a new paragraph. The way like he stylizes it. Right. So lucky is a sentence and a paragraph. And a, and a paragraph. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. All right, all right. I I gotta say, looking at all this as a whole. What do you want Oath of Loyalty to do? Do you want uh, the you action? Took my, you took my question. Uh, okay. All right. We'd look at this. Great minds. What do you want out of Oath of Loyalty? I I, I know what, exactly what I want. I want, boom, cold open, but I want Mitrap. And I want to say, like, Mitrap looked down at his phone. You know, I, I, I want that, like, as soon as he looks down at his phone and gets that read, that... Mm-hmm. Mike Nash is the traitor. Yep. That's that's how this book's got to open. Right. I want to We kind of know that. that we kind of know that as well, but, you know, sure. that's that's sure. what I want. I, I wanted to start for right from there. Yeah, I agree. It was so refreshing hearing Kyle say he has more to unpack about that car ride in the final scene. That was very refreshing. I I'll say what I don't want. I think total power and enemy at the gates opening with Sonia and then David Chisholm was just a little too much of brand new, out of the blue characters who aren't even going to play a huge role. Sonya plays a decent role. David Chisholm, they have to save him from the jungle in the first half of the book. But neither plays a truly groundbreaking role in the series. I don't I don't want that. I don't think three times in a row a brand new character that is somewhat random should kick things off. It's got to be Mitch. It's got to be Mike. Yeah, unlike the previous two times when either Kyle or Vince introduced us with a brand new character, I guess you can, uh, if you want to argue that Mitch Rapp is a brand new character in American Assassin, um, you can make that argument, uh, I guess. Obviously, Mitch is the protagonist of the entire series. Mike is a very major character. And I would say Grisha is a, is a, you know, mid-major character you know obviously plays a role mm-hmm. in three books and is a equal to rap so whereas i'm fine with those being you gotta start away. big right you, you know start with those, those big are big hitters. heavy hitters um but yeah just like i don't know i, I don't like i don't I, I really don't like books where i meet like secondary characters that don't play a role same. right away same that, that's one thing i don't like I can, I, I can, in doing this exercise, I realize what I don't like about whether or not it's right. the first sentence or the first chapter. You know, we're going into the minds of someone who maybe not be that important. Right. I agree. I could also accept for Oath something with the cooks, something sure. that really rattles your bones that they're doing, plotting, or planning, almost like a Hank Clark feel. So, I could easily also accept that and then a quick transition to Mitch and Mike in the jungle, but it's got to be one of them, right? It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's, it has to be. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to, you know, it'll be a year post Mike's death from when the book came out, right? People will have thought about it now for a year. Right. And now it gives us another opportunity to look at it. And rediscuss it and come at it at a different light. I've, that's how I feel. It gives you an opportunity yeah. 
to not just sort of blow it off. Because you could you could imagine totally. that if we just never go back to that ever again, and Mitch just moves on, maybe he mentions Mike in passing. But to make a choice to go back to the very beginning, you know, a scene from a, from Mitch's perspective now uh, gives another opportunity to realize this choice that Kyle made and understand it right. for those of us who maybe were disappointed, <laughs> you know, so. We've got to grapple with it further. The characters yeah. have to grapple no, with exactly. it. And we, we have to grapple with it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. You know what we're missing, though? The best type of opening sentence. What if it were a limerick? <laughs> just, just, just a limerick. <laughs> Are limericks te- technically one sentence? Uh, as you as you probably noticed, I don't even follow the rules of what a limerick actually should do with syllable no, you count don't. And, and rhyme you scheme. I take some liberties, so I'm not the person to ask. I just fake it. I fake it till I make it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. They won't. None of your limericks will be able to qualify for the like the. Limic or World Series, whatever you know, they do not qualify. They they don't. They don't. Yeah, they won't be on ESPN covering the Limerick off. All right. So before we get into our top five list, we're gonna we're gonna give you our our top five ratings. Just a couple questions. Which of these lines do you think sets the stage slash mood best for the novel that that you're then gonna read? Hmm. This is like judge a line by the book. Like judge yeah, exactly. a cover by the book. Exactly. The line's got to relate to the book. There's quite a few that did that. I think in terms of like the setting, Transfer of Power does it very well. The third option, though, is so cool because you get a couple of paragraphs or a page explaining what the third option is and how Mitch is a trained operative and assassin to work outside the bounds of the law. Uh, so I got to go with that one. I don't know if I see another one that's as topical or thematic as the third option. What do you say? Yeah. for We're talking entirety of the book. I feel like that one or, or American assassin because sure. It, yes, it jumps you into topical. a, in, into a scene. That's what then we go. We don't go back to that scene until two yeah. thirds into the book. So yeah, I would say that. If you're talking about the, the just the plot and the the logistics of what happens, the motorcade one in Act of Treason, like the whole book mm-hmm. is centered around that blast. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, American Assassin also very topical. Mitch, his reflection in the mirror, his growing up, his choices. Yeah, definitely. All right. So which one, the opposite? Which one is has least to do with the entire novel? Hmm. Protect and defend. <laughs> yeah, no, it it's kind of kind of yeah. The sexy, the the triple yeah, X, yeah, it, it kind of sticks out. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that one that one's so random. I'm glad Stu Garrett gets killed and Rap has a little fun off to the side. All about that lifestyle. Sure. But yeah, but to, it doesn't work for the book. So this one may be a little a little bit harsh, but if <laughs> if you could only read one line. If that's all you had, and then you had to make a decision whether or not you were going to keep reading mm. or stop reading, it it kind of asks the question, you know, mm. which which one gets you the most hype? But you know, which one do you think you would most stop reading? Okay, if that if like you're like, oh, I'm out. 
I'm out. So we talked about the ones that draw us in. So these are the ones mm-hmm. that repel us away. Yeah. Um. I'm. I, I, I there's probably something else, but I might go with the Sonya one. I, I was the gonna say that too. I was gonna say that too. On the windshield. I don't really care. Who are you? <laughs> The light mist has already been done with transfer power and Irene Kennedy, and that and she's badass. So I I don't see the purpose of opening with her. Everything else, like I even like the lucky. I'm like, okay, who's lucky? Like, sure. Wh- 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 what is the luck coming from? Like, I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah, everything else, I'm intrigued, but for some reason, that sentence, I'm just not. I'm not that intrigued with with this forested mountain around her. I don't know. Yeah, I I told I'm in agreement with you there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and you took my uh give us the the first line for oath of loyalty. So what do you say we give our uh, our top 5s here, Mike? All right, all right. Mind if we cut it down to top 3? I feel like I'm going to have yeah. a hard time with the 4 or 5 spot cuz almost anyone could go in there. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, we'll do we'll do top 3. Top 3 makes us really pick out the heavy hitters, like the the big ones. Okay. That's a little, a little easier for me to nail down. I feel like I'd be reaching with four and five because that could be replaceable. There's a there's a an obvious cut of some, and then like the rest are right set. Right. And then obviously we picked out the ones that are like you know a little bit the weakest. Of right. Uh, do you do you mind if we just say what our our number one is? Just, just yeah, to no, get we, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I I know it's your rules here on the. On the on the game i just came up with the idea of this podcast and we're kind of running with it i'm having fun so <laughs> we have some freedom now that we're done with the books to just chit chat and banter i'm gonna say there are two there are two that are cut above the third option which i kept talking about but i keep coming back to consent to kill to kill a man is a relatively easy thing especially the average unsuspecting man that's my winner that's number one it's totally badass. It's like when an athlete is peaking. Everything about consent to kill is when Vince was peaking. He hit peak even with that one line. So I'm going consent to kill. Yeah, so you picked my top two as well. And, okay. But for me, it's the third option is number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and consent to kill is number two. Those are the two obvious cut above. Exactly. Everything. The so, three spot, though. It's uh, I, I'm having trouble with the three spot because I, I want to put two in there. Mm-hmm. I love the American Assassin, and I really like the um, separation of power, just because like how even though that that one really doesn't have anything to do with the plot, like that that scene, you know, that's we, the burial. It, that's the burial. It just mm-hmm. it hits it hits me. You know, it's yeah. it's emotional. So. Mm-hmm. But if you force me to choose, I got to go American Assassin. So it'd be third option, consent to kill, American Assassin. Top three lines right there. Yeah, you like that one. Mitrap stared at his reflection in the dusty cracked mirror and questions his sanity. I think if if I were forced to do the four and five, that would be around the four or five spot. But for some reason, I keep coming back to... It, it it's kind of out it's kind of out of the blue, but I'm gonna say pursuit of honor. Mitch Rapp decided it was time to move. 
That just All gets right. me hype. Wow. Mitch is going. Mitch is going, baby. He's going. I mean, that's a dark horse. I'm saying that one slips in there under the radar in, in the three spot. American Assassin, if, yeah, uh, the the four spot, if I had to say it. And and my tie for fifth, I know we didn't, weren't going to do it, my bad, but <laughs> I changed the games. I'm a hypocrite, whatever. A term limits. Uh, the, the Cabin in the Woods is so iconic to me with Scott Coleman meeting up with Seamus there. Like, super iconic. So I'm going with that. All right, so I, since I gave four, I'll, I'll give my fifth. It, we Lethal Agent, that cave, man. Uh, Kyle coming in with the cave, and then knowing what that cave is, that Halabi survived, and he's now the main protagonist. I don't know. I like that one a lot. Dude, good stuff. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, can't wait to discuss uh, line one of Oath of Loyalty. See if yeah. we get our predictions right. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. A little bit different here, but um, I don't know. We've been wanting to talk about something like that for a while. Can't wait. It's kind of like a preview of our um, top covers, preview of yes. our and our final book ratings. So final rankings. Yep. Those are those are to come. What are we doing next week? I was gonna say this episode. What number is it? This will be episode ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. We're getting close to that one hundred. So. Next week, we'll have an author series for you. Really excited. You'll have to check our social media. We're going to post who that will be. It's a big one. And then for the big 100, I think we got to do the covers. Yeah, no, we got to. Let's do it. It's time. We got to judge a series by the covers. Judge a cover by the series. Yeah, we got to do it. Just mark down cover C for me. I'll, you know, one through five. <laughs> Everyone's waiting for a Mike rant about cover C's, aren't you? <laughs> yes, of course. I don't know. That could either be our most listened to pod or our least listened to pod because it <laughs> seems like we're the only ones who give a give give a crap about covers. Why do these guys care so much about the cover? Because <laughs> they're important. They're important. It, I want Anyways. somebody in Apple Podcast. We're always asking for five stars. I want someone to give us a four-star review, and the only reason is because covers. we drone on about the covers. <laughs> I want the opposite. I want a five-star review, and I want someone to tell me, yes, I agree with your cover. Like You need to stand up for covers more often. Covers matter, bro. <laughs> Hashtag covers matter. And there go our downloads <laughs> and ratings. Yeah, no, we can't be canceled on a podcast. Mitch Rap Pod gets canceled. <laughs> that has like three hundred listeners. Come on, that can't be. That can't be our. That can't be our undoing. We have to do something way worse than that, dude. If it takes us ninety nine episodes to get canceled, I don't mind that. <laughs> oh God! But Mike, should we tell them that? Uh... We also maybe have a little something special to drop on the 100th episode. A little, little special sneak peek, a little surprise. Right. I think you guys are, are going to want to stay tuned. Episode 99, got a great author series for you. Episode 100, we're talking covers. And we will release something only our patrons know. Our plans for the next few months, next few years, we hope, with <laughs> season two and beyond for the podcast. There you go. How about that for a tease? Yeah, stick around. All right, well, whoever's still listening to this pod, we need to thank our patrons, <laughs> including our special operator, Sherry F., 
Our special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, Mark. I think I missed one. Kevin and Daryl. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us at MitchRapPod.com or using Twitter and Insta at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.